Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpet, your host, and with me today is none other than Mr. Sports Blitz Pod himself, Brandon Noway. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing really good, Mark. How about you? I am having such a great time, but you know, living down here in Florida, sometimes it gets a little warm, a little muggy and all that, and I think, man, I, I, I sometimes wish I was up north. I, I visited folks in Canada once before, and I, I didn't think I'd ever be able to again, but uh, our friends up in Toronto, <laughs> they've got some things going on up there. Yeah, they've had a really, really big past week and a half. They, the CFL started up, you know, that there was that. The Canadiens made the cup final, and uh, I can't think of anything else. Can you? <laughs> no, not at all. But I sure am glad to see those Blue Jays were able to, able to finally get back home. Uh, I was talking for, with our buddy Brent Cardi from the Cardi Show the other day. I was really happy to hear a lot that's happening with the with the Blue Jays, and it's an exciting time. So I don't even know where to begin with all this, Brandon. I mean, you, you look at this team. What? The, the the bulk of this season's been spent down here in the States for their home games. You, you figure they started out looking at palm trees down in Dunedin, Florida, and then they uh, moved up toward, what is it, Buffalo, New York, and Salem's Field, Salem Field for a for a few weeks. Or finally, finally, gates were open in Toronto and said, hey, boys, come on back home. We'd love to have you here. Uh, so they came in back in with some COVID guidelines, but it's great to have them back in Toronto and man, you can tell the fans love it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure the snowbirds down here love seeing the the Blue Jays a little bit more, but I don't think the Canadians up north didn't like it so much. And a fun fact from Keegan Matheson on Twitter, well, not such a fun fact, but just a little fact. When the Blue Jays took the field at Rogers Center on July 30th, it would have been 670 days since Major League Baseball was played in Toronto. The last Toronto starter was Clay Buckles. Wow. Can you guess who they played? Whom? They played the Rays in front of 49,000 fans in an 8-3 win for the Blue Jays. <laughs> 49,000 fans and the Blue Jays beat the Rays. I, I love it, man. I'd, I'd like the 49,000 fans to start off. <laughs> wow. I, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm sure they're hungry up there. But I was surprised to hear that, well... I was curious to see what they were going to do as far as having fans this time. is only 15,000, but they said they sounded like 50,000. <laughs> Let's try this again. They said they had uh, 15,000 due to the COVID protocols, but they sounded like 50,000. But that's a welcome return from the last time they were there 670 days ago to play the Rays. Wow. They probably thought they'd see the Expos before they saw the Toronto Blue Jays come back up. <laughs> or the X-Rays, whatever they're called. The X-Rays. I call them the next pose when I was talking with Brian uh, with Brent Cardi the other day. Oh, brother! So you know, yeah. Think about it. Like I said, six hundred seventy days. They wound up having their uh, their their spring training center being their home base, and that had to be difficult. You know, was, I remember seeing some of Zach Hample was out there. <laughs> they weren't didn't have anybody coming in as far as guests, but he was out there in the ballpark parking lot trying to catch balls so people are determined to participate with the blue jays and now they can personally at their own home field at rogers center yeah it it was felt kind of like how sometimes you know recently i can think of outside of the raptors playing down here at amway arena how when like sometimes nfl teams are renovating their stadiums or they're getting new ones like when the Bears about 20 years ago, actually the year that the Bucks won their first Super Bowl, 
they didn't play in Chicago. They played in Champaign on the campus of University of Illinois. And the Vikings a couple years ago were playing on the campus of the University of Minnesota on their campus stadium. So that's kind of what it was like. But I think it's a little bit different when you're in a completely different country. I would think so. And, you know, I, I, I love to go up to Rogers Center. I haven't done it yet. But, you know, we've got a dome stadium here in Tampa, which is interesting, the Trop. But I love the whole idea of the Rogers Center. You know, they're, they're able to, to open that roof up and ventilate, if you will. And But the return to a home stadium was important. And let's, let's hear how uh, Charlie Montoyo, the manager of the Blue Jays, what he had to say when they returned. Don't like showing his emotions. I'm always sitting down and, and relax, and but I, I just couldn't help it because I, I was just so happy to be back, and and I'm all in, man. I just care so much about the Blue Jays, about the fans, about this nation, about winning here. Wow, that's a that's a bit of an emotional statement from Charlie, but not surprising for him or for the team. I mean, this is their home. It's basically saying, you know, not not to. Uh, as, as if they had to go off and do service somewhere for two years before they could come back. And I'm sure that's probably what it felt like for many of those players. Yeah, I'm sure they got like a little bit homesick, you know, not being able to actually play in your home for almost two years at this point. Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, had to affect, the, affect your performance and, you know, just like an anxiety in you. Well, and you think about it, Brandon, a couple of these players, Toronto Blue Jays, had never, ever, ever played in Rogers Center. Now, did you get to who they are on that list? Um, off the top of my head, Ryu, he hasn't pitched there. George Springer hasn't been there, at least as a Blue Jay. Trevor Simeon, right. he hasn't been there as a Blue Jay. And am I forgetting anybody else? No, those are ones that first came out as well. But there may be others. Uh, those are the ones I always Berrios. think. Of. Oh, who? Say again. Even though Berrios, he, that was his first time there. But, you know, that was also his first game as a Blue Jay. So a little bit of an asterisk <laughs> to that one. Yeah, we'll talk about Berrios a little later on too. But, yeah, thank you because the most obvious one I neglected. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, uh, yeah, so those are the new, the new, not the new Blue Jays, but the Park Rogers Center is new to them. And then you think of the people, well, this means a lot to all those players. It probably meant a lot more even to two of them who are natives of Canada, and that's Mr. Uh, Vladdy Jr. and pitcher Jordan Romano. So this has to be a very special moment for them as well. Yeah, Romano, he's, he was asked about it. Yeah, he, he was asked about it, and he said, my whole family, my aunt and my grandma, they're all going to make it out today. I went to a few games in 15 and 16 just as a fan, and the atmosphere was amazing. I'm just hoping we can get back to that. You know, I was looking up at his uh, birthplace. He actually grew up but minutes, minutes away from Rogers Center. So he, what, he's a veritable hometown boy for the, the Jays. Yeah, pretty much just across town. He's basically the, the Kevin Cash or Mike Zanino of the Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, and it's neat, you know, looking back in your past and being able to go to the park with family and enjoy those games and now be somebody who's on the mound out there representing the, the Toronto Blue Jays. So very happy for him and all the players. 
And what about the fans too? Imagine the excitement they were getting as well because they can finally go see their team, which has a ton of potential. I was watching a lot of it on the on TV the other day, and the excitement I saw with those people in the crowd, and as people were following into the stadium, I saw people holding up a sign saying, "Welcome to Canada, George." <laughs> and, yeah, and, and all that. Let's see. I think it may be a sampling here. We have a, a few of the uh, comments of the fans. Yeah, and these come from uh, cbc.ca. And this comes from a Blue Jays fan named Mike Jackman. He said, quote, I'm going to be the first one in there. I've waited a year and a half for this, and I can't wait. I don't think I slept all night. Ryan Borky. Baraki, I can't pronounce that name. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but I believe it's Baraki. He said it'd be nice once again to play in front of the team's fans. And he said, we just never had a home crowd. In Florida, we faced Red Sox or the Yankees and Buffalo, same thing. We're getting booed and stuff at our own place sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we know how that goes here in Tampa. <laughs> but uh, wow, it, it's been uh, it's been crazy. I mean, they they've had to... Uh, make some real changes, you know, because of COVID. And now that they're allowing people in there, I mean, some of the things are real obvious. Like they do mobile ticketing. They're not going to be handing off uh, cash to anybody. All that's going to be done with mobile. I know some parks have already done that. Uh, let's see. I know that, let's see, with the before you get in, they're, they're allowing you to get there 90 minutes before the game. But they have very interesting seating there as well. They've got seatings where they sell them in standard seating in some parts of the stadium, and they do pods for others. And I don't think there's necessarily a requirement to select one or the other. Uh, Each fan will undergo symptom screening prior to entry. That's probably checking the temperatures. And they've also got, uh, let's see, another room. Excuse me. Another rule is fans age two and older are required to always wear face coverings while on Rogers Center property, except when actively eating or drinking in their seats. You know, I probably wouldn't have mine on much because I'm eating and drinking <laughs> all the time. But seriously, though, that's it's a great thing that they're doing there. And I saw that uh, as people were coming into the stadium, the uh, the fan hosts that greeted them were also giving them the gift of, uh, of a mask with the home, the word home and a Blue Jay emblem on there. I thought that was really cool. So... Uh, you know, there's a few other things they're doing as well, but they're trying to make sure that they're keeping it as safe for the fans and the players as much as possible. And I won't even tell you what they're doing about the restrooms. You can figure that out yourself. <laughs> but <laughs> that's some of the things they're taking as far as COVID. Um, there's also, uh, as far as the players themselves, they've got certain policies in place. And like you said earlier, because of bringing other sports in, you know, weeks just weeks before this, you know, with the Stanley Cup, et cetera, uh, they, they have an idea of what they want to do to protect folks. So there's a lot, of, a lot of good moves being made at the Rogers Center to protect everybody. Yeah, and like you said earlier, it's like the Stanley Cup playoffs were really like the, the catalyst for this happening because they showed you can get it done safely because they did it first with Vegas going to Montreal. They did that safely where they just basically put them in a another so-called bubble they just put everybody in a hotel for that series until they went back and forth so they did that for both the conference final and stanley cup final and then i guess that led baseball to think if they can do it why why can't we do it 
and here we go. We got Blue Jays baseball back in Toronto. All right. Fingers crossed, man. I love it. I mean, after all this time, they come back home. And what was it? It was July 30th, an 11-game homestand. Yeah, that's a big day. They, the first game back in Toronto, and they also got Jose Barrios earlier that day. Wow. <laughs> Not only are you moving to a new team, you're moving to a new country <laughs> to, to play ball. So that had to be exciting. Uh, why don't you give us kind of a rundown of, of that game one and you know what happened, who played, and give us the results. Yeah, they played in front of a sellout, or at least as much of a sellout as they can, at 13,446 fans. And Blue Jays fans didn't have to wait long to see their team get on the board as Teoscar Hernandez hit a 441-foot bomb, where if they were playing in Dunedin, it would have landed in an empty schoolyard, and in (laughs) Buffalo, possibly on a highway or in a ditch. So he had a home run there. George Springer, he hit a double to left center, which was an RBI. Guriel hit a single to make it 3 nothing. Then Simeon had hit into a double play, but that brought in a run as well. Bo Bichette, he hit a homer. It was a two-run homer, got the crowd going, and that pretty much put the game out of reach. As the Blue Jays got a 6-4 to win, and the final out came when Santiago Espinal caught the ball barehanded over his shoulder, and the guy that was pitching that game in the ninth to close it out was Jordan Romano, who is from the Toronto area. Oh, wow. I love it, man. This this is picture book. I mean, and you're talking about the whole idea of Espinal being able to catch that ball. Would you say backhanded? Yeah, barehanded over the shoulder, too. <laughs> I love it. I mean, those are moments that will be captured in history. The return of the Blue Jays to Toronto and to wrap it up with pitching. Like you were saying, the, the final pitcher was Jordan Romano, the the native up there, and that's just exciting. Yeah, and could you imagine the emotions he was dealing with? He's back in his home country, and I mean, who knows how often he would have been able to visit there with the lockdowns and all these rules, right? And pitching in front of his family in the first game back. I mean, that had to be be special for him. I'm so glad that the Blue Jays had that uh, had that eleven game stand that they did. Is, is there anything else you want to say about that first game, Brandon? Um, no, I think we got it all covered up. Well, it's, it is interesting looking at, cause they did have 11 games and if you're coming, going to come back home, come back strong. And that's what they did. And if, if we kind of take a look at, uh, who those games were, I mean, some of the different, uh, let's see, well, who all did we, we started out, they started out playing Kansas, simple enough. Then who else came after that? They had, was it, uh, Cleveland? And then the Red Sox. So that was quite a bit. And let's see, what were the results? With the, the uh, So out of the 11 games, Blue Jays won nine? Wow. Nice, nice trending record. It is. I was going to say, I was going to ask you about Berrios. What, what, Berrios, uh, so he's brand new. And when he comes here for that 11-game homestand, did you say he got to pitch more than once? What happened? Yes, he pitched twice. He pitched on, I believe this is the third game against the Royals. He went six innings, got the win, gave up five hits, no earned runs, and seven strikeouts. And then he pitched in the game against Boston, where he went six innings again, only gave up one earned run with six strikeouts. So 
unless I said it wrong, but he had no earned runs against Kansas City. I believe I said one. So he had no earned runs against Kansas City and only one earned run against Boston. So that's a pretty good start for uh, being with a new team in a new country. Yeah. Uh, uh, kudos to him and kudos to them for uh, selecting him, you know, during the trade deadline. But if we look across that team, look, look at what we got. I mean, you got George Springer, you got Vlad Jr., Marcus Simeon, Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, what, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Kirk, Alejandro Kirk, Randall Gritchick, uh, of course, Santiago Espinal, as far as people on the field. And there's probably some people I'm forgetting. And then pitching, um, Ryu, um, Alec Manoa, you know, and <laughs> Barrios. Uh, it was, is, who's Rob? Is Robbie Ray with them? I can't remember. Yeah, Robbie Ray's with them. Robbie Mr. Ray was. Mr. Tight Pants himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when when they were playing, the, when we, meaning the Rays, are playing the Blue Jays, he's one that always kind of scares me. And uh, so, but uh, it's it's interesting to see how they played. I enjoyed, I got to, was it the game they played last Friday? And they were playing the Red Sox. Friday, August 6th. And man, that fifth inning just went stupid crazy. At, at this point in the fourth inning, the Red Sox at the top had scored one. And the bottom of the fourth, Blue Jays nothing. Top of the fifth, Red Sox score another run. And also it brought in a, uh, let's see, Nate Evaldi was pitching. And over nine runs were scored in the bottom of the fifth by the Blue Jays. And one of the things that happened was when Ivaldi was replaced by Robles for pitching was one of the Blue Jays was hit by a pitch. And you know how that goes. I mean, when you've come up and you've just had run after run after run on top of Ivaldi, you put a new pitcher in, it's not surprising to say, let's go ahead and hit one of these guys and remind them we're here. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was the motivation for it, but Robles and the uh, – Blue Jays dugout had a little bit of chirping going back and forth. So Robles stood off the mound and took a few steps toward the dugout. And the noise from the Blue Jays the dugout got a little louder. It looked like a couple of people were going to step over the rail and have a conversation with Mr. Robles. But Charlie Montoyo did a great job of kind of cooling things down. <laughs> <laughs> but then the team turned on the steam even that much more so and achieved nine runs in the bottom of the fifth. It was an exciting game to watch. Yeah, I, I wish I could have watched it live, but I saw what was going on on Twitter. And it was exciting to watch, especially because it involves the Red Sox getting nine runs hung on them in an inning, which made it even better. But it's always a little <laughs> exciting when you can get the, the blood pumping and a little bit of animosity going. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you there. I went ahead and when I, I did an uh, interview with Brent Cardi this past week. He had me on his show and one of the first things I said is, I want to thank you and the Blue Jays for beating the <laughs> heck out of the Red Sox this past week. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we don't mind that. So, uh, oh, brother. Let's see. Oh, I wanted to ask you, Brandon. I mean, taking a look at the Blue Jays, what has it looked like for them? I mean, if you're going to evaluate the Toronto Blue Jays, what they've been in the past, what they've done in – since they're, you know, the homestand and since, can you kind of give us an idea of what that, those, I don't want to say two teams, 
but the teams, because they are the same team, but there's some different players. What that looked like? Yes, and this these stats come courtesy of CBS Sports, and this is basically what they looked like before heading into that that Friday night. The Blue Jays were 22 and 22 at home. We use that term loosely, <laughs> and as of today, they have now moved that record to 31 and 24. And on the road, they were 29 and 26, and now 30 and 27 at the moment of recording after this first two games to the Angels. And going forward, it's a pretty even schedule. And, you know, basically if you do the old saying where if you have a winning record at home and you can play around 500, maybe a little better on the road, they can be in a really good shot for that second wild card, maybe even the first. Well, I'm watching them with uh, very intently, you know, uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know, quite often the marquee names that you hear about when you're AL East. And you can't help but acknowledge the Rays with what they've been doing lately. But the Blue Jays, I believe, have been kept, you know, off to the side. People haven't talked much about them, but now they, they have to. And they should have been all along because if you'd <laughs> asked me toward the beginning of the season, you know, who would be the final two, I would have told you – the Rays and the Blue Jays, and then maybe the Red Sox. I don't know if I would have the Yankees because one, they're they're injury prone, and even when they're not, I think sometimes I look at them, I say they're a little lackadaisical, and that's certainly proven. I think throughout this this season, uh, they made some changes to their lineup that's going to make a difference. We won't get to, too much more into those teams, but the Blue Jays have definitely made their mark and continue. To, you know, to drive up higher and higher. They're, I think, seven and a half games right now back from the Rays. And who knows where they're going to wind up. Yeah, and we said it last year. I know I did, and I believe you did as well, that last year's little, like, playoff appearance, right? it felt kind of like, you know, they're getting in there, they're getting their feet wet. And then next year, now this year, felt like the year where they could really do some damage. and. Now, of course, it got a little bit thrown off not being able to play in your home stadium, but now doing that, you have your true home field advantage. Maybe that can propel them to a wild card and maybe on a deep run because they're only two games, two and a half games out of the the second wild card. And I mean, I've said it before, all you need is a chip and a chair. And I think the Blue Jays have given that chance. They could, they could go far. I agree. You know, and you look at it now. See in their calendar. I think they got about forty nine games left, and let's see, they got uh, a seven or eight series left on the road and eight at home. What kind of a schedule do they have? Let's see, Brandon. They're um, hmm. They're play. They're facing the, well. The Angels. They've done a doubleheader with. You know what's funny? Funny thing when they went over across the country to play the Angels. Is one of the games there was a home game because of rain out in Dunedin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. So they played a home game with the Angels at the Angels Stadium. I uh, got the Mariners, and Mariners can never be sneezed at, and certainly the Rays can't. Uh, <laughs> the, the Nats got a couple games with them, then they got Detroit. They're going to see Detroit six games, once at home and away. White Sox are going to be facing them, and that's always going to be nasty. Got four games with them, and that's going to be at home. Uh, Baltimore, they're playing nine times, hmm. nine games, I should say, and uh, three different series, three. 
And, you know, Baltimore is Baltimore, and there's a reason they're at the bottom of the AL East. So that might be, I won't say it'd be nine soft games, but maybe they could win seven or more, seven or six out of those. Uh, Oakland, they got three games. The Yankees, they play seven, one, you know, four at home. So no, four to the Yankees and three at home. What else? They face the Rays twice away in the home and Twins twice with four games each. So that's, it's an interesting grouping. I'd say that some of the, if there was really any softness there, I guess I'd say Baltimore with the nine games out of their remaining 49. Yeah, it's it's not going to be an easy road because, I mean, you don't think of Detroit being as good, but they really, they've been playing good ball the past few months, and I don't think they're going to be a pushover. And like you're saying, I think it's pretty much going to be Baltimore that's probably going to be the only easy going. Yeah, I, I, Detroit, who are they, man? I never expected to see A.J. Hinch whip this team into something like they've been in the last you know month or so. It's like, what? Who are these guys? Jeez, they've been making a difference. I don't know. Yeah, at first I thought they were just beating up on the Rangers, but you know now they're starting to beat a little bit more competitive teams, and maybe with the the combination of bringing up the younger, higher prospect guys, and with AJ Hinch coaching and managing, that probably combined has helped them believe a little bit more than what they really are. Let's see. Then our good friends, the Blue Jays. Have eight more series at home, and that's 26 remaining games. And, you know, one of the fun things, though, I've enjoyed about watching them come back is that home run jacket. Did you Have you seen that? I have. I mean, you, you think of uh, what I should say, I guess, the haberdashery, uh, the courtier, whatever, of, of uh, the clothing of baseball and there's been some interesting uniforms but nothing like that jacket i mean <laughs> we'll talk we'll give you details on the jacket but i was thinking okay augusta has a jacket so i guess washington the blue jays and and then you've got uh what what are some other ones brandon what other you have let's see i believe it's boston they have like the home run wheelchair there's <laughs> that i think somebody has a wwe belt is it the rays uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't remember, I, I, they've always gestured like they have one. The, uh, <laughs> the Padres have that uh, that bit of swag they hang around their neck. This big giant with a rotating something on the the swag, and <laughs> the Phillies have a little little hat. I've seen Bryce Harper wear it a few times. So when you come out, you know, there's always a good ritual a lot of teams have when when you come back after hitting a home run. And now the Blue Jays have this jacket. Evidently, they've been. So jacket, this um, the idea is is not new. What it says is something to the effect it celebrates the different uh, people that are on the team. I should say where their, their homeland. So you got everything from China, Venezuela, etc. on the back of this jacket, and it talks about all these neighbors, all these people coming and living together. I apologize, I don't have the exact phrase in front of me, but that's the sense of it. And the uh, it had been something they had on some T-shirts, but what they decided to do was make this nice jacket and they would that has those names on the of the everybody in the back there as far as with their countries. And they put this home run jacket on a player as they exit the field from hitting a home run. And it's it's a nice celebration. It's, I think it's probably a little less dangerous than being run around inside of a small grocery cart in a dugout. <laughs> when I first saw it it reminded me of college football, how a bunch of those programs have like a turnover chain or the spike shoulder pads that's what it made me think of at first but it's cool to see everybody in baseball 
you know, sort of adopted and put their own spin on it. <laughs> Spiked shoulder pla- pads? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> what was that for? Uh, that was Georgia's version. Every time they get a turnover, they give it to the defender that had the turnover. Or Oregon State, they have a turnover chainsaw. A turnover chainsaw. I don't know what to expect anymore. That's <laughs> uh, crazy. It's do they? I'm not going to ask if it's live and running in the crowd, but that's uh, uh, no. They give it to a player and they let them rev it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother! And looking at a few other things as far as the AL East, I, I want to see where these Blue Jays wind up. You know, I'm, I've been excited about this team for a while. One, Charlie Montoya. I, I have a lot of faith in him. He's also a former Ray coach, and seeing what he's going to do. I've been excited about a lot of the young players they have on the team. And, you know, Vladdy Jr. just stands out there like nobody's business. He's probably leading the home runs right now. Today, I don't know if it's him or Otani, but, you know, he's right up there. And there's a reason for that. So uh, it's exciting times for Toronto. And I can't wait to see how they continue on with the rest of the season. Yeah, I can't be. And if you want to close it out, we have some some quotes from players we can read and Maybe see how it's gonna, how it's impacting them. Maybe give fans some excitement going forward, even more than what their record shows. Please do share. Well, of course, we had Montoya. He called that the first game back, quote, my best day in baseball. I kind of looked down every once in a while because otherwise you would have seen tears. I was holding tears. That's how much I care about Toronto in this nation, about winning and coming back after 670 days. It was just an awesome day and a great win. I'm never going to forget it. Then we had Bo Bichette. I was looking at Vladdy, looking at Teo. Everybody was looking at each other like, man, I've got the chills. I'm holding back tears. It's hard to explain the feeling. We've been trying to pretend like we had a home. It's difficult to do for two years. (laughs) And then Ross Stripling, who he was a starter for that game. He went five and a third, said that was such a cool experience. I was pretty nervous going into it because it was because I was starting to get an idea of what it meant and what it would feel like. I'm just so glad that the opportunity fell on me and it was my turn in the rotation, and that will be something that I talk about forever. And then, lastly, from George Springer, it's plain a plain and simple statement, but to the point. There's no place like home. This is awesome. I don't have any other words. Wow, and and what else can be said? And you know, for a uh, uh, a new Blue Jay to boot, and man, they're glad to go ahead and find themselves once again up there at Rogers Center. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go up there and watch a game. <laughs> yeah, I do. And those quotes came from Keegan Matheson, and I have a, a closing statement from him that I think probably would sum it up best. Is a decade from now, this one will show in the game logs as a win over an uncompetitive Royals team in late July. Something that's rarely worth a second thought. Everything that led up to the moment is what gave it some magic, though. And the Blue Jays hope it's the beginning of something, not just the end of a long, homesick chapter. Wow. Wow. It hits wow. you in the feels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great time for them. And you know, In talking about a team that feels blessed, I'm sure they do right now with the, the opportunity to not just play for Toronto and their country, but to be there and execute that and be, you know. I don't think any more else needs to be said. Any other uh, nuggets or news we, we need to address, sir? Um, lastly, uh, George Springer, he was awarded the uh, AL Player of the Week twice in a row. 
In this past week, he's hit 364 with three doubles, a triple, three homers, 11 RBIs, and nine runs. So, wow. Hello, Toronto, for him. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, the, the excitement, the growth, uh, Springer just being awarded twice the AL East Player of the Week, and it's good things for the Blue Jays. Only seven and a half games back in the AL East. Look out everybody else. Yeah, I mean, crazy things have happened. It's never out of question. I mean, the Rays came back from, what, eight and a half back in September one time? You never say never. And if not, all you need is a chip and a chair. You just got to get into the wild card. That's it, boys and girls. Well, I want to thank you, Brandon, once again, from at SportsBlitzPod on Twitter. And also, I want to thank uh, Brent Carty from The Carty Show, who spent a little time with us the other day and um, talking about the Rays and the Jays. But uh, especially, I want to thank all of you all for listening here at Baseball Biz with myself, Mark Corbett, who you can find at the Baseball Biz. And you can find Brandon and I across all podcast directories looking for Baseball Biz, all one word. And we look forward to talking with you guys again real soon. Special thanks to XTechRUX for the music rocking forward. Also, thanks to Brent Cardi of The Cardi Show, where you can also find him on all podcast directories.